I'm Andrew Weinrich, and I'm here with Jeremy Levy. This is Deciding by Data. Each week, we will interview a leader in a different space and explore with them how they have leveraged data and analytics to build and transform their organization, bringing you the inside story behind the growth of successful data-driven businesses. Our guest today is Megan Gill, an award-winning marketing leader and startup advisor. She was employee number eight and the first non-technical hire at MongoDB, where she built a developer community from the ground up and launched many of the company's first programs. She now runs sales operations at MongoDB. Megan, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, it would be great if you could give us a quick overview of MongoDB as a company and also what actually is MongoDB, the database? Sure, sure. So MongoDB is a, is a new kind of database technology and it's uh, primarily used by software developers. So those are the people that are building all of the amazing modern applications that we use every day. Since it's decided by data, some, I'll give you some stats. There are about 18 million developers worldwide, according to IDC. And MongoDB has been downloaded over 30 million times. So you can sort of see the magnitude of adoption of MongoDB. Some other interesting things about our business model. So we kind of have a something like a, pre, a, pre, a freemium business model. And that MongoDB is open source, which means it's free to download our community edition. And then we sell an enterprise version that has a set of features that are, we monetize a set of features that are uh, more relevant to the enterprise, things around security and management. And we also have a, a hosted database product called MongoDB Atlas. Could you give us a little background also on your role? And you, I know you've been, you know, you're obviously employee number eight. You've been there for a very long time. Can you tell us a little bit about your role and how this evolved over time? Sure. So when I joined, you know, roles were pretty loose, as you can imagine, on an eight-person team. So everybody was sort of doing a little bit of everything. But I was always pretty focused on marketing, particularly marketing to our developer community. So we have people all around the world who are using and trying and experimenting with MongoDB, how do we reach them and how do we get them to be successful? Over time, we built a full marketing organization with pretty, you know, it was pretty sophisticated, very data-driven. And I ended up running developer relations, demand generation and events, which was a lot of fun. And then most recently, I took on a role, a totally different role, which is also very data-driven, running sales operations, which is all the tools, systems, reporting and analytics around our sale, our enterprise sales organization. I want to get into the details of, of how, how you use data in a second. But when I think about databases, I think about <laughs> columns and rows and relational sure. and SQL. What makes MongoDB so special? That And you mentioned NoSQL a second ago. Can you expand for our audience a little bit what that actually means? Sure. So traditionally, databases have been very much like you described, rows, columns, and MongoDB is a, a different approach. It's really built to address the modern requirements of today's sort of modern applications. So putting things in context, 90% of data has been created in the last two years, which is pretty mind-blowing. And 80% of the enterprise data is unstructured, meaning it doesn't fit into the tables that are in a relational database. So MongoDB is a, a different approach that's more flexible, more scalable, and really meets the requirements of having a lot more data that's also unstructured. Was that the original vision for MongoDB back when the company first started, or was that sort of an evolution of startups and learning and seeing what works and what not? Uh, it's an interesting question. So our founders came from uh, DoubleClick. They were dealing with tremendous scale. And I think their thinking was they wanted to create the database they wish they had at DoubleClick. And they had built plenty of custom data stores that were doing similar things. And, and MongoDB is sort of an outgrowth of that that experience. And so, and so, in the in the original sort of marketing plan, what was the plan in terms of distributing or or getting organic growth around MongoDB? I, I mean, I always think of this as sort of a great story around developer evangelism. How, tell us a little bit how that started and 
Also, how are you even tracking that and thinking about it from a metrics and data perspective? Yeah, it's it's funny when you ask about this period in, in MongoDB, it, it was in the very early days very difficult to be data-driven. And I think that's true in a lot of startups because you don't have a whole lot of data, you don't have customers. And in our case, you know, we were really focused on adoption in the early days, uh, getting developers to get their hands on the open source version. And we didn't even put a registration wall behind the open source edition of MongoDB. So we had maybe an IP address that gives us some signal about where the person is, maybe even a company, but you know we don't know specifically who they are. So trying to find a signal early on was a bit of a challenge. And a lot of the programs that we run were really focused on meeting developers where they are. So developers are on social media, they're on forums like Hacker News or on Reddit, they're at meetups and, and events like OSCON or PyCon or the other sort of developer-focused events. So we made a big effort to be in those places with either content or speakers or engineers to talk to them about how MongoDB would be a better way to store or manage their data. Was the developer first approach something that you had sort of a you an intuition about, or was that something that had evolved also? Was that something that perhaps the numbers that you were tracking from an installation perspective were showing you? Well, I think one of the challenges with databases is that you have some very big entrenched players. So I think we all know which companies that I'm, I'm, referring, I'm talking about or thinking about. And those companies have pretty big presence with CIO, the C-suite. So MongoDB kind of took the approach of like, okay, rather than going top up, top down, where we have a bunch of competitors, let's go bottom up. Developers are the new kingmakers. They're the ones that are making decisions about the technologies that are used. And it's true, lots of apps get built by an individual developer or development team within an organization, and then it bubbles up to management. And next thing you know, there are multiple apps within a company, and that's where we're able to sell an organization that's our enterprise product. But was that something that you had said, this is the strategy we're going to take? We're going to go for engineers, and because you know more and more decisions are coming sort of from the bottom up, or was it something that you would sort of observe through maybe some of the metrics that you were tracking that said, hey, wait, we're seeing a lot of activity with engineers and we should double down on that tactic? Like, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to understand is, is that something that you guys started off thinking about or did you evolve into that 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 as a tactic, as a strategy rather? I would say that we started off that way and then data reinforced the decision. So, I mean, as an example, I mean, the numbers of downloads that we were getting, those were all from developers. We we launched the online education. We offer free courses for people who want to learn MongoDB. So our first two courses were MongoDB for developers, MongoDB for database administrators. And those, we had no idea that thousands of people would sign up within the first week. And now we've had over 500,000 people take an online course on MongoDB. What was the promotion you did for those first online courses? How did you get the word out? We did a lot of typical uh, marketing campaigns. We did email marketing, social media. We did press around it. We had part. We partnered uh, with edX to deliver the courses. It was interesting. We did a online event where we were talking about the new features in the upcoming release. And at that event, we announced that we were offering this um, these free courses on MongoDB. And the response was it was very viral because people were really craving the education about this new technology. So being able to deliver it in a scalable way is, has been pretty incredible. We are going to take a short break, but when we return, Megan will tell us about how MongoDB took the leap from selling to developers to selling to enterprise executives. Stay tuned. This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. Indicative enables marketing and product teams to do sophisticated behavioral analysis across all of their customers' digital touchpoints without the need to rely on data scientists. 
To learn more, go to indicative.com or email info at indicative.com. Welcome back to Deciding by Data. We're here with Megan Gill, Senior Director of Sales Operations at MongoDB. Megan was just telling us about why MongoDB decided to go after developers with their product rather than directly to enterprise customers. Now we'll ask Megan about how MongoDB expanded its target clientele. We're always curious about missteps. It doesn't sound like there are missteps here. I mean, it it doesn't sound like it was an initial thesis that the data informed you, you needed to pivot. It sounds like you were dead on with who the audience was, and then you were dead on with with how you would promote that initial educational program. Do do I understand that correctly, or or is there a misstep that you can share with us, or a misdirection, or some initial thesis that was disproven? Well, I do think our initial thesis is to go after developers, but there has been an evolution because... Um, when we sell, when our sales team goes and sells, they don't sell just the developers. They have to get the operations team on board, the architects. Often there's a line of business. So I think initially we were very focused on the developer, but then as we built an enterprise sales organization, they were like, hey, we need different collateral, different messaging, a different way to approach these other personas. So I do think um, that was something that evolved over time. But typically the way that the sales reps would get into an account was would be to see that there's what we call, in MongoDB parlance, we call it smoke. Is there smoke in the account? Is there stuff going on? Are there are teams that are downloading MongoDB. Are they building applications? Then they can go take that information and they have a message that they can tailor to somebody higher up in the organization to talk to them about MongoDB Enterprise. Has the business model also evolved? So, I mean, early on, I think I think you mentioned a second ago, it took a similar model to the Red Hat model where we're giving away this offer for free, but the consulting and support where the relationship comes in. Has that evolved also? Yes, it's evolved in two ways. The first way is that we built an enterprise edition. So we actually have a different set of software that includes uh, security, tooling, management, and a whole bunch of other things that make running MongoDB production much simpler, much easier, and particularly for the operations team that have to manage very large MongoDB clusters. And that also includes support, but it's beyond sort of the, the, the support and consulting that you know some other open source companies provide. And then the second thing I would say is that now we, we offer a cloud product. So if you want to run MongoDB in the cloud hosted by MongoDB, we have a product called MongoDB Atlas. And the interesting thing about that is that we also have a self-service channel. So people can just go swipe their credit card and, you know, spin up a MongoDB cluster using Atlas, which is pretty, pretty amazing. And our sales team sells that as well. So we, we have sort of monetized, we have this big open source community, people learn MongoDB for free using the community edition, and then we can either monetize them through the enterprise edition or through a uh, cloud version. I want to talk a little bit where we are today, but before we sort of leave this, this section, we're talking about the past. One last question, aside from downloads, what were the other things you were tracking that you were using, whether it was smoke for signals or other things that you were thinking about in terms of a metrics perspective that you were tracking to help understand where to focus? Yeah, in the early days when we had less signal, I mean, it was things like there were some qualitative things, like what, what are the kinds of questions people are asking about MongoDB? We were looking at things in support forums like Stack Overflow. We were looking at GitHub, so which language communities are engaged with MongoDB, downloads, people putting MongoDB and other technologies on their LinkedIn profiles. 
So there was there were there were definitely signals, and, and of course we we did start building you know the demand gen engine that captured people's information, and, you know started to uh, educate and nurture them based on what they sort of interacted with. But in terms of making decisions about you know how we should approach marketing and approach product push sales, a lot of that came from those downloads and the other signals like that. So as the product portfolio has evolved today, you mentioned the platform also. Are there are there other sources of data that you're now leveraging in terms of thinking about how you're marketing this to your customers? So you mentioned you're now capturing data for a sales perspective. You're selling multiple products now. Are there different metrics that you're now tracking in terms of how you're thinking about making decisions from a sales and marketing perspective? Yeah, I mean, we have a pretty sophisticated demand generation engine. So we um, we have, you know, we obviously have a CRM, we have marketing automation in place. So we're, we're running multiple campaigns, we're tracking the responses to those campaigns, the budget for those campaigns, and then, you know, running quarterly reports to understand, you know, should we be investing in a particular channel, whether it's, you know, events or collateral or, or webinars, or a particular theme or topic? Is it, you know, microservices? Is it mainframe offloading? Is it blockchain? Like what is resonating with our audience? So, you know, now that we have, um, I think we use over 20 different marketing technologies that helps us sort of get a better picture of what is compelling to our audience and then also feed them the right content. So uh, we use Eloqua. We have 60 plus narco tracks running in Eloqua, which are all triggered based on people's persona, their industry, their engagement with MongoDB. Uh, we use a tool called DemandBase, which lets us personalize the experience on the website based on the IP address, so whether they're at an enterprise company or at a startup or what the location is. And those are just a few examples of, of how we're, we've been able to make a more personalized experience for our, our prospects. How much of sort of collecting that additional information, the amount of the additional tools, how much of that have allowed you to get much more specific, maybe from a predictive perspective, on what leads to go after, what channels to go after. Yeah, I mean, one of the challenges we have is that because we have such a big, uh, it's a champagne problem, but we have a very big developer community. And so a lot of times our sales organization will get like, well, which accounts do I focus on? The other thing is, is MongoDB is a broad platform. Any company and any software development team could use MongoDB. So uh, other products might be more focused on a, on a smaller persona or on a specific vertical. But, you know, it, MongoDB is very, very broad. In terms of helping to make decisions about which accounts to go after, we, we are now using predictive lead scoring. So that helps us better prioritize the, the leads and the MQLs and create, you know, appropriately score the MQLs. Um, and then we've also put in place some tooling that we built sort of internally to help our sales team figure out which accounts they should target and help the sales managers manage territories so that they're figuring out how to distribute the accounts with what we call the smoke across the reps in a sort of an equitable way and assign the right accounts to the right reps based on the reps experience and based on based on the, the activity in the account. What learnings would you say you have for other startups to that, that can take away from your experience when they don't necessarily have the same amount of data that you guys have now? Yeah, I think it's, well, one of the challenges I think of it at a, any startup is you want to move quickly, but at the same time, you want to set yourself up for having tremendous success. <laughs> um, so sometimes, you know, you make decisions about the systems and the tools because you got to get stuff done and then you're you may be stuck with those decisions. I think there's always a delicate balance. I mean, we've we've historically collected a lot of data and put a lot of effort into gathering the data in the systems and I think that's benefiting us now. I think as we as we get bigger, you know, MongoDB's over 800 employees now, a pretty sizable company. I think one of the challenges we have is just stitching all that that data together across the different systems and tools that we have. Where do you think that you've iterated your way to success as opposed to sort of getting it right out of the gate? I mean, wh where have you sort of said, where were you sort of focused in terms of where you've improved over time? 
I think certainly in how we run demand generation, we've, we've done a lot of iteration. So as I sort of mentioned, we were very developer focused at the beginning. And, you know, now we, we run programs to target all the different types of personas that are relevant to MongoDB. And that was, that was definitely an evolution because I think we got very used to talking to a developer and the needs of an operator or an architect might be quite different. And then in terms of product, the other amazing thing about an open source product like MongoDB is that we get a lot of feedback from that the users are very used to giving feedback, submitting tickets. You know, we have tickets that people have been, community users have been voting on, and that has helped inform uh, our roadmap pretty significantly. In both marketing and product, it's been, there have been areas where we've iterated. Switching back to the, the product for a second, Megan, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about either AI or ML when it comes to <laughs> sort of the big data ecosystem and Mongo playing a role in that. Yeah. Where, does, where do you sort of think about those spaces and where do you see MongoDB going within the AI and ML sort of category? Well, when I've talked to our founder and our CTO about AI, you know, his insight is that a lot of these algorithms have existed for a long time, um, but we finally have lots and lots of data that we were collecting that we're able to run those algorithms through to make them more useful. So I think MongoDB being a flexible database can power a lot of these applications. For example, there's a company called X.AI that's a AI powered personal assistant that's built on MongoDB. Many of the predictive uh, analytics and social media analytics companies are running MongoDB to sort of manage all the unstructured data. So I think that's sort of where it fits in in that space. Is that more of an area where you see an opportunity for Mongo to play a role? Uh, you know, the, the big data aspect as I think about it is, I think what you mentioned was that Mongo is a repository for this information. Is that more and more of a use case that you're seeing Mongo deployed to? And is that an area that you are pursuing from a sales and marketing perspective? I would say yes and yes. And we do have some companies that are using, uh, some customers that are using MongoDB to build AI-based applications, to build data and predictive, you know, predictive app, uh, applications. Is it a place that we're pursuing? Yeah, we have built out some content and we're sort of testing out uh, if that's a, a draw for people. I think people, companies are still sort of figuring out how AI sort of fits into their broader strategy. Are there other trends in your ecosystem that you see for either future uses of Mongo or future products products that you guys are thinking of building around that you can speak to? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's like a few technology trends. For example, one might be microservices. So organizations are sort of moving from having a single monolithic applications to having more many smaller applications, and MongoDB can be a good fit for that. Another trend might be you know, there's a new technology called blockchain, and that's pretty interesting. Obviously, cloud. So we have a, a cloud-based product. I think many organizations are figuring out what their cloud strategy looks like, and that might not be you know straightforward. But now that we have the uh, MongoDB as a service in the cloud, we're a big part of that conversation with a lot of our customers. What do you see in terms of the future from a marketing perspective? Well, I think that, you know, over time, I think cloud is going to become more and more, our cloud product is going to become more and more important. And the other interesting thing about the cloud product is, you know, previously we had this open source version, people could use it for free, but they had to sort of set it up, manage it on their own, and we didn't have a way to monetize it. Now, by offering in the cloud, we are able to help people get up, up and running much quickly, more quickly. Developers don't need to uh, deal with sort of the management aspect of MongoDB, and we're, we're monetizing them. So I think that that's sort of the future for us, and figuring out the marketing strategy around that sort of self-serve channel is really important, as well as enabling our sales organization to, you know, actually go out and talk to customers that are thinking about their cloud strategy and help sell them, sell them Atlas, basically. What, what is the marketing strategy around a, a self-serve channel in the future? Previously, we didn't have a way to sort of monetize developers directly, or we didn't have a way to help them 
manage their applications easily. When we talk to developers, we try to get them to use Atlas first. There's a free tier they can get up and running very quickly. Uh, that's sort of a shift from how we talk to our primary audience. Rather than download MongoDB community and get started, we're like, hey, this is an even easier way for you. And for us, it sets us up as, as a company for them to be uh, using our, our cloud products. So um, from a marketing standpoint, a lot of the programs that we run, if we're showing someone how to use MongoDB, we try to show them how to use it in Atlas at an event or a webinar or whatever it might be. Um, we're running lots of digital programs and doing lots of experiments on various digital channels to get people to sign up sort of directly for Atlas. We have a developer evangelism team, and they, they're also sort of speaking and talking about MongoDB, and they're, they're typically doing it through, like, here's how you would do it in Atlas. Staying on Atlas for a second, does that mean you're going to be competing head-to-head -head with an AWS or a Google Cloud platform with regards to offering a, quote, database as a service in the future? So uh, Atlas is a database as a service, and we actually partner with AWS, with Google, and with Microsoft Azure. So we offer it on their platforms. So it's it's more of a partnership with, with those cloud providers. So one of the nice things about Atlas is that you have a choice. If you want to run your database in the cloud, you can run it on any of those public cloud providers. Oh, I see. As part of their sort of marketplace offering where with one click, you can spin up a third-party vendor's platform, so to speak, running on you know their raw EC2 instances or their, their droplets and so on. Yeah, so the, the idea is that with Atlas, you can use whatever cloud provider that you want and you can get a fully managed database as a service. Cool. Thanks very much, Megan. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Megan. Thanks for listening to Deciding by Data. I'm Andrew Weinrich. My co-host is Jeremy Levy. This podcast was produced and edited by Lauren Feiner and Esmeralda Martinez. Our music is by Chris Zabriskie. New episodes are released each week. Tune in next week when we speak with Pyle Kadakia, founder and executive chairwoman of ClassPass. ClassPass is a monthly membership program providing people of all fitness levels access to boutique fitness classes around the world. Pyle will share how data led her to create the company and explain the type of data ClassPass shares with its studios. This is Deciding by Data. This podcast is brought to you by Indicative, the leading behavioral analytics platform that allows business users to optimize acquisition, engagement, and retention. Indicative enables marketing and product teams to do sophisticated behavioral analysis across all of their customers' digital touch points without the need to rely on data scientists. To learn more, go to indicative.com or email info at indicative.com. For more episodes of Deciding by Data, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite app, or visit decidingbydata.com to subscribe to our newsletter. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave a review or follow us on Twitter at Deciding by Data.